the official podcast of the Chillicothe Paints. This is Horsin' Around. The latest inside information from the Paints and the Prospect League. Now, here's the voice of Paints Baseball, Jacob Wise. Yes, a new season of Chillicothe Paints Baseball is upon us. And uh, with it being a new season, that also brings a new season of Horsin' Around a Chillicothe Paints Baseball podcast. And hopefully, unlike last season, we can bring you a few uh, more episodes, uh, hopefully regular episodes weekly throughout the entirety of the 2023 season. It's an anniversary year for the Paints, a big one. Chillicothe Paints celebrating 30 seasons of baseball. Uh, in Chillicothe and over at VA Memorial Stadium here this summer. Tons of great promotions throughout the season and uh, different activities going on at games as well to promote the 30th season and to celebrate 30 seasons of baseball. Uh, Of course, go over to ChillicothePaints.com and you can see uh, all the details of our upcoming promotional calendar uh, right there on the website and uh, see all the fun stuff we have in store for the upcoming season. It's also an anniversary year for the Prospect League, and the Paints, of course, a charter member of the Prospect League when it kind of rebranded and restructured as the Prospect League for the 2009 season, but its history goes back much farther than that, 60 years to 1963, when it was called the Central Illinois Collegiate League, or the CICL. Uh, Obviously, we are celebrating as a league 60 seasons of summer baseball. But we're also uh, welcoming in a brand new commissioner to the Prospect League, and his name is David Brower. He uh, has done many things in collegiate athletics, uh, from SID work to working in a conference commissioner's office, and now he is the next commissioner of the Prospect League, and he's our guest on today's episode of Horsin' Around. Hope you enjoy our chat. David, uh, I know you've been on the job for just a little bit now, but uh, getting ready to go into your first season. So first of all, uh, welcome to the Prospect League. And uh, are you starting to get nervous? <laughs> well, thanks for having me, Jacob. It's uh, good to be on. Um, I, I, I don't know about nervousness. I think there's a lot of, uh, you know, let's get through the process so we know what it looks like. Um, you know, as you mentioned, brand new, it's uh, really about month four, but in some ways it feels like four days. And in some ways it feels like about four years. <laughs> well, at full disclosure for those listening that don't know, I also work for the Prospect League. So we have had many conversations since you came aboard. Uh, I understand. Yeah. <laughs> we, uh, some days uh, they go very quick and some days uh, things that would normally be quick take a, a little bit longer than you would like, but just kind of the nature of the beast. Uh, let's jump back here and just talk about you for a little bit, your background, uh, what you were doing before you came to be the commissioner of the Prospect League. Sure. Yeah. Um, you know, as far as my background, the majority of my experience comes from working in college athletics, uh, whether that was at uh, universities, uh, mostly at a league office uh, in the Summit League uh, when it was based in suburban Chicago. Uh, Summit League, uh, as far as with the baseball side of things, people are probably most familiar with Oral Roberts uh, being uh, the pre- predominant program in that league and, and an annual NCAA tournament competitor or, uh, you know, qualifier and uh you know having a great season this year is uh nationally ranked in most of the polls but um so that's you know a lot of my athletics background comes from that learning 
uh, you know, the, the emphasis on student athletes, the, uh, you know, the business side, certainly of, of college athletics that uh, continues to change, um, stepped away from sports for a couple of years to do some other things and in, in the PR and marketing side. And, uh, this opportunity came along and, and with my love for college baseball, I think, uh, you know, I thought it would be a good opportunity and, and something that's, uh, certainly not without challenges, but there's certainly a lot of opportunity for growth. And, uh, you know, I, I think this, uh, league there's has, is on a great place that I walk into, but at the same time, I think there are so many things that we can do. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Touch on one of the things you mentioned, uh, working in collegiate athletics for the most part uh, at the school level and the the conference level, correct? Correct. Um, worked at a couple of universities, uh, started out uh, as an undergraduate assistant at my alma mater at the University of Illinois, working in the sports information office, uh, worked with a couple of baseball programs at uh, different universities, Purdue, Northern Illinois. Uh, also worked at the University of South Carolina, and uh, then that led me to the Summit League eventually uh, once I got off of campus. So most of those schools, you have what double-digit varsity sports between the men's and the women's teams. So you're, you're busy all the time, all year long. And you might think, well, maybe if we just stick with baseball, things will be a little bit easier on the time constraints. How have you found that? To a degree, yes, and to a degree, no. Um, I think uh, it, it lets you dive deeper into things in an individual sport. Um, you know, the working on a campus, uh, for the most part, you're working with a program, and your heavy time is certainly in season with some uh, ancillary items that come up in the off season, like for example, at Northern Illinois University, which is my last campus stop, uh, I worked heavily with the football program and then uh, baseball in the spring. So there were always some, you know, spring football, but that kind of uh, got shuffled to other people. Um, baseball, you had some things in, in the off season, uh, you know, signing days, those, those areas. Uh, so I think, you know, s- focusing in on one sport uh, allows for, you know, I guess greater depth of what you do. Um, but at the same time, there's also a lot more things to do uh, especially at the the league standpoint, and with the staffing uh, being smaller in this league, certainly than it would be on a, either a campus or in a a league office at the collegiate level. Yeah, I can imagine. We always talk about here. Uh, no matter how much lead time we have, we always wish we had some more to do some other things. And I can imagine when you're dealing with multiple different sports, there are probably some things you would like to do within those programs, uh, the individual teams. Uh, that you can't because you have to deal with all of these uh, other programs as well and kind of give everybody a fair shake. Uh, have you been able to kind of just get down to, uh, you know, your checklist of things that you want to get done going into this first season? Yes and no. Um, you know, I, I'm one that always looks big picture and uh, has a lengthy list and, uh, you know, in some ways you want to just cross those off as much as you can in some, some of these areas are, are longer range items. Um, so, uh, you know, that coupled with the learning curve, stepping into this role, learning more about the league, learning more about its structure, how things function, uh, you know, and as you mentioned too, the, you know, at the college level, the summit league, we didn't have, uh, more than 10 teams at a given time. And, uh, you know, with this, you've got 17 and, 
so there's a lot of difference. There's a lot of differences in the way this league is run versus a collegiate league. Um, you know, at the college level, you've got the NCAA governance above the conference level. And in this league, there's no governing body above the prospect league. So it's, it's really, um, you know, formulating your own policies, enforcing those, trying to, uh, you know, piece those together and, uh, you know, without guidance from, from a national body. Sure. Um, what, what drew you to, I guess this job in particular, but sticking into a baseball specific job, uh, versus maybe a different sport? Is it just the nature of the game where there's, you know, those opportunities, um, with the summer leagues, you don't necessarily have that with the other sports. Yeah. I think the biggest thing for me was the, uh, working with college baseball again. Um, you know, there aren't too many people that, uh, uh, probably have the the passion and interest that I do for college baseball. It's just something I've always enjoyed, um, whether it was uh, going to games growing up or, or uh, you know, even to this day, but um, following it, knowing some of the coaches now working in the business, um, you know, working with the teams themselves. Uh, so I think that was the ultimate uh, draw for me. Um, you know, I think that the opportunity to really build something uh, to I've always enjoyed the challenges of taking something and, and making it the best it can be. Um, you know, I mentioned the summit league. It was, it was a mid major, you know, I mean, we're not going to be the big 10, we're not going to be the sec, but there's some things we can emulate and try to do and, and make it the best. So, you know, in that regard with the prospect league, I, I think there's things we can emulate from some of the other college summer leagues. I think there's a lot of areas where we can think outside the box and uh, take ideas and, and come up with our own plans in other areas uh, that maybe are done in the minor league level, maybe that are done uh, in other sports. So, um, you know, there's a, there's a lot of, I wouldn't call it a blank canvas, but there's a lot of room to grow and, and create new opportunities. Uh, you mentioned the, the minor league similarities uh, and from a, a fan standpoint, going to a prospect league game, I think a lot of the, the teams in our league and, and college summer baseball in general try to operate to where it's a similar experience to going to a minor league game, but there are college players and there are a lot of challenges with that as well. Have you run into that at this point already? Uh, what, what difference is that from the college side of things? Yeah, I think, you know, you mentioned the fan side and, and that's something we, I really want to emphasize for this league is to be a very uh, fan centric league. Um, each of our teams should be as involved in their communities as, as possible. Um, you know, at the end of the day, you're uh, furthering the development of these college players, um, but also hopefully inspiring uh, younger players that are in the crowd and providing entertainment um, for the fans in those communities and giving them something to, uh, you know, kind of take that community pride. You know, several of our markets are, uh, you know, somewhat smaller. So it's kind of that uh, town team mentality, I guess, or something you can call your own. Um, whether it's, uh, you know, what, wherever you may be in the league and we've got some other locations that are on the suburban side and, um, but it's their own team as opposed to the city that they're close to. So, uh, from the fan side, I think that's, you know, it's definitely a minor league feel to it. I think from the college relationship, um, you know, the minor league baseball side is so focused on attendance and so focused on, promotions and revenue. The college side is very focused on the development side. It's the student athlete experience. 
Um, those are the uh, buzzwords that uh, you know really were taking shape when I was at the Summit League, and then also that have grown further. We all hear about NIL. We all hear about uh, the portal. You know, and, and most of the time you hear about the bad things with those. But I think um, the student athletes' voices have grown significantly, and at least in the college landscape. You need to be very cognizant of your decision making based on those things. And I think we need to bring that into this league a bit more, kind of mesh the two. Um, that's really kind of the sweet spot, I guess, of, of where we need to operate as a league is that combination of the uh, minor league baseball side and the college side. And not to say that you can't be profitable from a college program. I mean, there's there's many of them out there. Uh, most of them are in the South. You know, you're in Ohio. I'm in Illinois. It's uh, a little bit different in Big Ten country as far as baseball, but there are some places that uh, the game is growing and, and getting better uh, and getting more interest. Um, you know, maybe not as much in the South, basically because of the weather. That's that's our biggest detriment yeah. up this way. But but these kids, when they come into this league in the summer, I, I think the fans, um, you know, they have the entertainment side, the promotional side. But the more they get to know these players, they can understand and see how they're developing both at their universities and potentially down the road in the professional level. And by that, I mean, you're going to see players this summer and every summer in this league that you're going to see on television next year on an SEC game in the Big Ten or a Big Ten game uh, that is broadcast by ESPN or Big Ten Network or, you know, national TV exposure. You're going to see these players uh, be in the College World Series, NCAA tournament before that. Um, you're going to see them drafted. You're going to see them rise through the minor leagues and hopefully eventually reach the majors. And, uh, you know, I think that's one of been, been one of our focuses this spring is to really uh, tie that all together so that people know what they're watching. Um, you know, it's good, it's good quality product uh, here in su college summer baseball leagues. Yeah, absolutely. And I think it's fun to watch, too. Uh, I know here in Chillicothe, we'll have college games here. Uh, regional teams uh, from the area come and play games and there will be people that come and watch. Uh, but when they put a paints uniform on, it seems like the entire community uh, comes out and, and supports them uh, vigorously. <laughs> you know, they, uh, they, they love their paints players and then they get to know those players a little bit. And then you might see them uh, the next spring when they come back and play with their college team. Again, those fans will come back because they made a connection uh, in the summer with their prospect league team. And I know that happens at ballparks and, and, cities all across college summer baseball and, and the prospect league. Uh, and you touched on something too about players. Like there are leagues out there that get the top end talent. Uh, they're going to get drafted this year um, and they're going to go probably play double a ball very soon. Uh, you might see them fast track to the major leagues, but it seems like the wheelhouse for the prospect league has been that player that maybe the spring before the summer didn't, you know, cracked the starting lineup a ton, didn't play a lot, but they know they're going to play their next year in college. So they come into the summer in the prospect league, they have a good year, they improve, they develop, and then all of a sudden they're playing every day in the spring for their college team, and they might get drafted a couple of years down the road. You kind of have to watch those guys for a couple of years because sometimes it is a couple of years down the road, but it always seems like it's the year after being in the prospect league where you see those guys kind of kind of flourish. And that goes back to that development uh, that you were talking about and how important that is, right? Yeah, you're absolutely right. I, you know, when you talk about college summer leagues, everyone touts the Cape Cod League, and rightfully so. I mean, it is the standard, but it's a different model. It's the players yeah. that the major league scouts want to see the most. 
It's the players that are getting draft ready that may be already the standouts on campus. Uh, you know, you'll see all Americans that are already on, you know, on those all American teams, I guess I should say, um, playing in that league. Now, as far as our league, you're going to see the up and comers or you're going to maybe see a standout that just completed a high school season and they're going in uh, to the fall on, on campus and expected to contribute as a freshman the following spring. Or you're going to see a redshirt or maybe a backup player at a certain position that uh, that school is counting on them getting the reps because uh, the player ahead of them is either getting drafted or uh, graduating or, or something along those lines. Um, and you're also going to see a, a mix of, you know, some junior college players, probably some players maybe from some of the lower level uh, schools that are trying to find their way into maybe a division one program, um, you know, either with the portal or a Juco that wants to transfer in. And you're going to see a lot of guys at the D2 and D3 level that, uh, you know, really are just focused on getting better and, uh, you know, they're enjoying and succeeding at those levels. And, and, uh, you know, they want to face the competition, uh, to challenge themselves to get better for the following season at their school. So there's really quite a mix. And, um, but as you, as you mentioned, I think when you look at the division one level and isolate those, uh, it really is a lot of the, the players that are waiting for that opportunity to, uh, really break out the following season and, uh, and really launch their careers coming off of this league, frankly, um, yep. because they just didn't have the opportunity, say, this spring. And uh, this is the chance to either, uh, you know, develop as a player or get the reps that will they'll bring them into the starting lineup the next year. Yeah, absolutely. And you talk about some of those lower division guys, too, that, you know, D2, D3, uh, NAIA, a lot of JUCO players uh, in our league. And, for example, from a, from a paint standpoint, uh, Dylan Shockley, who played for us a couple of years ago, uh, actually played for us two different years and played for a, a not-to-be-mentioned uh, team name on this podcast uh, for one season, uh, but he played at the University of Rio Grande, NAIA school. Um, not a big guy, probably wouldn't a scout probably wouldn't look at him uh, while he's standing still and say, "Man, that is that's quite the physical specimen that that is probably very athletic." Uh, but he just got promoted to AAA. Uh, he got drafted uh, late by the Pirates, and he he's put in his time at the complex leagues and, and single A, and he's. Spent most of uh, this year and, and part of last year in double A in Altoona, but uh, has gotten an opportunity now to go play triple A ball. Um, does he get a chance to play in the big leagues? I don't know, but it just goes to show you that players from all different levels, uh, there's talent everywhere. Yeah, you, you just never know, especially in this sport. It's such a year to year development um, you know, you look at football or basketball, some of the other sports, it's a little easier to, uh, you know, kind of project guys two to three years out in baseball, things can change rapidly, um, even in the course of a season, but especially from one year to the next. I mean, there's stories of, you know, players that had a ERA of eight and, uh, the next year they're a, an all American, um, you know, or, uh, you know, whether it's a, whether it's physical development, skill development, uh, you know, all those factors play into it and you just see so many success stories, whether it's a late bloomer, whether it's, um, somebody that just finally got their opportunity to get in the starting lineup and, and succeed, uh, you know, so that makes it intriguing and, and that's where, you know, this league fits in very well with that. Um, because again, these might be some of the players that are, 
you know, potentially overlooked um, either at their school or, or on a recruiting level or, or those types of things. And they want to come out and prove themselves and get better and, and compete for uh, jobs on, you know, at their particular school or, um, you know, potentially to, to transfer up from a JUCO to a, to a four-year school. Yeah, I, I know that it's also fun for those players to just from a, a challenging yourself standpoint to if you're a D3 guy or an NAI guy or whatever, to stand in the box against a, a D1 guy who throws 95 and say, can I can I compete with this guy? And in a lot of cases, the answer is yes. Um, the, the, you're not scraping the the, for lack of a better term, bottom of the barrel of of those you know, the, the lower level guys that are in our league typically are on very, very good D3 programs. They are very good, probably could play D2 or D1 somewhere else. But for whatever reason, you know, you talk about the student athlete experience. Sometimes that student athlete experience is so much better for a, a, a certain individual to go D2 or D3 or, or whatever else it may be. Um, I know there was a, I went to a small D3 school and we had some some girls basketball players that were kind of in that same boat. They had multiple D1 offers and scholarships to go play, but they wanted to play two sports or whatever it is. So you really just can't judge the book by saying, you know, he went to D1 or D2 or, or whatever it is. Yeah, you're absolutely right. I mean, there's so much, uh, you know, every one of those kids has their own story as to why they are where they are. And some of those may be their individual choices. And, uh, you know, it's it makes it, it makes for an interesting mix. As you said, you know, you have a that opportunity to challenge yourself. You have uh, opportunities to get better and and uh, opportunities to entertain the crowd too. So, I mean, that's, that's all part of the summer experience. Yeah. And some guys thrive in that too. Uh, maybe they, they didn't have the greatest season in college uh, the spring before. And for whatever reason, they get into the summer and you know, the guy who had the, the, the 10 ERA in the spring, all of a sudden this lights out in the summer because something about that environment of, of the daily grind and you play a lot in college, the college game, you're playing more and more games now, it seems, uh, but just playing every single day and hopping, playing one, one place and hopping on a bus and driving six hours overnight and then, you know, playing somewhere else the next day or whatever it may be. There's something about that daily grind that, uh, seems to resonate with some players more than others. Yeah. And, you know, you touch upon the, the grind aspect of it. And, you know, that's part of what this league is about is, is having the minor league experience, the bus trips, the day to day schedule, you know, in college, you're playing on weekends, you're playing a three game series, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Uh, you know, you probably have one, sometimes two midweek games on a Tuesday and Wednesday, uh, you know, but you have those, those days off in between. You're also going to class, you're doing all these other, uh, regimented aspects that are involved with your individual program and your academic schedules, etc. cetera. Uh, you know, in this league, it's really baseball centric and you're having the pro experience and, uh, you know, it's not only a great learning tool, but, uh, for the players that do go on, it's it's a great opportunity for them to uh, understand what it takes. And for those players that maybe don't go on or maybe don't even have any interest in playing professionally, it's it's an opportunity to get that to get that experience and know what it's like. So to move on from uh, you know player talk, I think we could sit here probably and talk about <laughs> uh, that stuff for a while. I know some of our meetings have gone long because of things like that, but. Uh, that's a good thing, right? We uh, we enjoy talking about baseball. Um, you know, leadership roles. So obviously, the commissioner of a league is you know there's a, there's a lot that falls under that umbrella. Um, some things probably you expected, some things you probably maybe didn't expect coming into it. 
Uh, but I know that regardless of the industry, whether it's sports or anything else, a lot of times when a new person comes in at the top, there's this long period of, I'm just going to do a lot of observing. There are little things that you can do and try to put into place, but you, you almost need to sit back and observe and see how things are done so that you can make a plan for the future. Is is kind of that the mode that you're in right now? Yeah, I think that's a significant aspect to it. Um, you know, I, I'm, I don't have all the answers. I'm not going to pretend to have all the answers. Um, you know, there are people that are running teams for a reason. And, uh, you know, I want to learn from them as well. And, uh, you know, I, I think if you come in to make change just for the sake of change, that's where you get into trouble. And there's a lot of things that are obviously working well in this league. I think there are several other things that need to be addressed and, and how can we improve upon those areas. And so, yeah, there's, there's a lot of observing, um, to go through a season is going to be the most valuable, uh, aspect of, of trying to get a better feel for the league because, you know, we can sit here in meetings and, and, uh, you know, talk about how this worked and that didn't work, but until you see it on the field or, or see it, work its way through a season. I think that's your, your ultimate lab and, and kind of see how those experiments go and, and what can be addressed to make things better. And, uh, you know, the things that are working well, you know, don't need to change for the sake of change, but the things that, uh, can be better by all means, we should address those. Yeah, absolutely. And just in your, uh, few months, was it, you say four months on the job now, um, just from your perspective, what are some of the things that are kind of done really well in the prospect league that, that are strengths that we can build on and, and maybe a couple of things that, uh, you're trying to, you know, raise the level of. Yeah, I think, you know, I think a lot of what we do in terms of, uh, you know, how we can be better with student athletes, um, resources and experience. I think those are some of the collegiate model areas that we need to bring in. I think we do the professional baseball side very well. And a lot of that has to do with where these teams have come from, where these ownership groups sure. have come from. Um, but I think to walk that fine line of running a business in baseball versus running development where the college coaches trust you to make their players better and bring them back healthy and as you know, with improved skills and uh, improved abilities. I mean, that ultimately that's the goal at the end of the day. And so I think those areas are, are probably where we could be better. Um, we've started some things here this spring to put into place uh, to kind of, uh, you know, mimic the college model more. Um, you know, just we just announced the uh, NIL partnership with No Cap Sports, which will enable our, enable our players to uh, dive into the NIL space. And I think that's an important area, if for no other reason than the educational side of it. Uh, you know, we talked about the, the players that come into the league that maybe haven't been in the limelight at their school. And from that, they can, you know, they come in here and they can learn, okay, this is how NIL works I can make some money by doing some advertising, being a social media influencer, those types of areas, thinking outside the box. And, you know, I can take that back to campus. And as my, you know, fame grows because I'm playing more and, and having success, 
uh, you know, I can build upon that or at least learn about how to brand myself personally, learn about the business side. Uh, so those types of experiences are ones that I really want to get out there and have available for our players at, at the bare minimum as resources uh, and at maximum, certainly uh, enabling some of those areas. Um, you know, we're not going to have any teams uh, spending six figures to out recruit another one for players like uh, you do <laughs> at the college level. But, uh, you know, I think there's opportunities there to make this a well-rounded experience for the student athletes that are coming in over the summer. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, on that kind of player welfare side and the development side, you know, the league this year is going into its first year with Rapsodo in every ballpark, uh, which is, is a huge thing. I know some of the players that, that we've talked to are very excited about that. Um, you know, us, I don't, I don't want to throw you in this group as well if you're not, but uh, people like me who are, are a bit nerdy and like the numbers, we like to see launch angle and exit velos and uh, spin rate and all that kind of stuff. So we'll have that data this year, uh, which is very valuable for scouting and development and, and major league baseball and, and all that stuff. Um, and I, I think players will be excited about that. And that's, I think that's a huge thing for our league to have. And then I think we have one coming down the pipe here soon also that deals with, uh, recovery and training and, and making sure that your body is still in uh, good shape and, and you don't overuse it or overwork it or, or help out uh, to minimize injuries. So things like that, that we haven't had in the past, uh, I can't, I can't imagine that um, those are bad things at all. I can only imagine that those are great things for our league um, from the player standpoint and showing that we, you know, as a league are putting some effort into the player welfare side of things. Yeah. And you're absolutely right. I mean, that's when you look at, why should I play in the prospect league? It's no different than when you're on a college campus and you're trying to uh, sell your program to a recruit over other programs. And, you know, so you want to emphasize those areas, facilities. We've got that down pretty well here. I think we've got probably the best stadium set up in, <laughs> in the college summer leagues, uh, you know, in that regard. But in terms of the the player aspect, okay, you're going to develop, you're going to have these tools of the Rapsodo uh, analytics, as you mentioned. I mean, there's no question that analytics have taken over baseball. You know, you can argue good, bad, indifferent, you know, however you feel about it, but it's a key element. And there's a lot that can be taken from that in player evaluation and development, you know, with Rapsodo in particular, this data that the players will have access to will go back to their college coaches so they can look and say, okay, you know, player A has fixed his, uh, fixed this part of his swing and this is the uh, results that he's getting. Or, um, you know, a pitcher maybe is, is utilizing a new pitch uh, that he didn't really have a chance to use in the spring or just started to at the end of the season. And he's using that more. And here's the effects of that. Uh, it's, it's all those pieces of information that goes into the, that go into the skill development that the college coaches are going to love. The players are going to love. Um, and then eventually that also helps you get recognized by the MLB scouts. I mean, you think about how vast the world of baseball is when you're talking about how many teams and players are out there. And, you know, if MLB scouts have access to some of this data that may pique their curiosity and say, Oh, I've, I haven't seen this, this player, you know, in person, I'm going to go check them out now because now I'm seeing some data that makes them appealing to our organization uh, as a potential prospect. So, um, you know, that's a key element, uh, you know, and then also to, 
not only take the on-field development side, but to help our players stay healthy, to have healthy habits, things they can do in the summer when they're away from campus and maybe don't have their, you know, they don't have their strength and conditioning coach or they don't have their, uh, you know, other advisors on the staff that uh, help them in these areas, um, you know, train their, you know, mind and body, I guess, uh, for lack of a, a better way to explain it. Uh, but I think in the summer to have those aspects where, you know, baseball is such a mental game, where are some areas that, uh, you know, we can help them on that side, on the physical side, how can we help them take better care of themselves? And, uh, you know, again, you're just coming off a, a long college season, you're stepping into a summer league that's, uh, you know, has daily schedule, and then you're going to go back in the fall and, and gear up for fall ball soon after. So, um, you know, all those pieces are vital, I think, to player development. And those are those are the key areas where, um, you know, I think we're making some strides here this spring. And I'm excited to see how that works this season and and uh, hopefully something to build upon and, and make this a, a destination because of the types of things that we can offer the student athletes that are competing in the prospect league. Yeah, man, uh, stadiums. We just got two into this league for this year that. I know Jackson was announced last season, but this will be their first year in the league and, and a, a fairly recent double-A ballpark that is absolutely gorgeous. And over in Marion, Illinois, with with Thrillville, um, what used to be, I think it's what Mountain Dew Park now, they just uh, they just changed the name of it. Um, and I know I've, back when I worked in the Frontier League, I've been to that ballpark, and that place is, is an absolute palace. And they're just, they're all over the place in this league, um, the facilities that you get to play in. And for some of the guys probably better than the facilities that they play in uh, at their college programs, even some of them at the D1 level. Yeah, you're absolutely right. Um, you know, I, you know, I've seen the the photos of the stadium in Jackson and certainly being a former double A ballpark, that's, uh, you know, speaks for itself. But uh, with Thrillville, you're talking about uh, in Marion, there, one of the, probably one of the top independent league parks in yeah. the country and they're joining this league. And I was there for the, the name announcement of the Thrillville Thrillbillies and they had a, an amazing turnout. Uh, it was kind of a cool night in February uh, outside at, at their park and uh, to announce the name and have that much attention drawn to it, both from media side, from fan side. Uh, I think they have a, a tremendously bright future. And, you know, I think, those types of things can be examples for the rest of our league. Um, you know, I think we all can take, you know, there may be a team somewhere that does something really well. There may be a team somewhere that's trying to figure out how to do that same thing. And I think the more we can get those ideas around the league, the stronger the league becomes because the franchises are getting stronger themselves. So, uh, you know, it's exciting to have that, that type of interest uh, in some of these new facilities and these new, venues and locations and uh something that brings a, a breath of fresh air and, and also provides some uh you know they can take some pieces from our already established teams and how they operate and also share some new ideas that they're going to put into place yeah i think the sharing of ideas is something that uh, we could do better as a league uh, just coming from another league that had had really had something in place to do that uh and we have some teams that that really do one thing well, and maybe there's something else that they could learn from somebody else. And, you know, the, the exchanging of ideas in, in that respect, I think is something that uh, we're doing better at. And I see more uh, conversation about that going all, all the time over the last few years. But uh, I think, you know, we, 
we have more of the mindset of we're as good as the worst operation in our league. I think then, you know, if we go from there, we, we'll probably uh, start heading in more, more in the right direction than we already are. Yeah, you're absolutely right. I mean, you know, there's, uh, you know, the, the weak, you know, the saying of uh, you're as strong as your weakest link is I think apropos for any league when it comes to uh, its overall health and functionality. And, uh, you know, I, I think you have to look at it as, uh, you know, you're centered on your own team's interests, but at the end of the day, you're part of this 17 team family that, you know, you all have to work together, pull the rope together, those types of things and, and uh, make this league stronger because at the end of the day, that benefits you. We could pull out all the coaching cliches, <laughs> row, row, row the boat, everybody row in the same direction. You know, we can, <laughs> well, hopefully I won't hear from any of those. I think some of those are trademarked. Yeah, but, I, uh, I think we'll leave the row the boat alone. <laughs> we won't put it on the batting helmets. Uh, so yeah, that, I definitely hope, not. I hope not. <laughs> so uh, just real quick, if, you know, looking at your long-term vision of the league, I'm, I'm sure you're, you have ideas here and there. Is is there one or there maybe one or two things that you've thought of that, Hey, maybe five, six da- years down the road, we would like to be here in in this respect. I mean, they're always thinking down the road and and how you can get there. As we talked about earlier, I think there's a lot of observation to figure out how we can get there before you put those types of aspects into place. And you know, we could I can sit here and I can say I've got this grand vision for five years down the road, ten years down the road. And some of those may be realistic, some may not be. Um, so I, I think this year will be a really great, uh, I don't know if test is the word, but opportunity to, to learn and observe what we can achieve both in our individual markets and as a league as in general. You know, how much interest is there beyond just the teams? Is it, um, you know, how can we strengthen that uh uh, you know, the reputation, the uh, visibility. Uh, I think those are two of the areas that long-term should be focal points is you want to be known as one of the very top college summer leagues. We have an advantage in this part of the country, uh, you know, with with the geographical aspect and being able to draw, you know, t- you should be able to draw quite a bit of players from, the Big Ten, Missouri Valley, you know, those leagues that are in our footprint, that should be a, a priority. Um, but there's so many schools in, in this part of the country that we can draw from, plus plus the rest of the country as well. I mean, not to say that we're just going to be Midwest centric. Um, you know, it's good to have the, the kids from Hawaii come in and California and, <laughs> and all the other schools, because I, I think that's a tremendous advantage for us. But, um, you know, and then to gain that visibility and to have people understand what this league is about, where it's been, um, and then create that vision off a lot of those key areas. So, you know, we've, we've talked a lot about this spring. You've seen a lot of things on our website, on, on our social media, how we're celebrating 60 years, um, because it goes back to the central Illinois collegiate league as its origins in 1963. And you look at some of these names that have come through and I think it surprises a lot of people. And then you look at a lot of the players that are competing at the NCAA level this season that have come through the league and the teams that they're on. And I think that help, helps grow that visibility and the reputation and, uh, you know, what we can parlay that in down the road that's to be seen. But uh, there's definitely potential. Yeah, absolutely. And, and plug for the Prospect League podcast. Uh, Lucas has been 
uh, doing a, a fantastic job. So uh, make sure if you're listening to this, go listen to the Prospect League podcast. Uh, there are several uh, fun ones over there with some uh, former players and some big names that you might know, and those will continue on. And uh, I know once we kind of get into the season here in a couple of weeks, Lucas will start uh, focusing more on uh, current players and, and coaches and, and that kind of thing. But there's some uh, there's some good stuff already in the bag, uh, so to speak. So go check out the uh, Prospect League podcast. David, a couple more questions before we let you go, just real quick. Um, favorite Major League Baseball team? Oh, how long do you want me to explain this one? It's the Toronto Blue Jays. Uh, all goes back to my youth and uh, I guess some combination of uh, starting out collecting baseball cards, thinking the logo's cool, the colors, whatever else. Uh, they were kind of on the upswing, um, you know, uh, you know, in the 80s, uh, you know, making a visit to Canada and getting a Jays hat. So I, you know, all those combinations somehow yeah. uh, forged that. And it's, uh, uh, you know, been something that's grown from there, but, uh, love that city. I've uh, been there many times, love, uh, going to see the, the Jays play around here, whether it's, uh, you know, in Chicago or St. Louis or, uh, you know, with the expanded, uh, major league baseball schedule here where you can play the national league. There's, uh, you know, those opportunities is, uh, have grown now because of the, uh, the schedule yeah. so that they're hitting every, every market every two years. But, um, yeah, as far as a major league team, that's, you know, that's, that's the one, um, a couple college teams I follow, obviously my alma mater, university of Illinois, um, you know, team that's kind of had some success here and there, but, uh, like a lot of Midwest teams, it's hard to sustain it, uh, yeah. you know, um, but, uh, very avid, uh, as I mentioned earlier, very avid college college baseball follower and and uh been to over 20 college world series um so you know i guess generally speaking the i guess you could say the college world series is kind of a favorite team in the in the sense of an event um so yeah i guess those are kind of my uh my team passions uh favorite non-baseball pro team uh absolutely the green bay packers um third generation season ticket holder so uh, those roots run deep. Um, do you have the uh, ownership certificate that gets you no voting? I do. Uh, it's nice. it's for cosmetic purposes. The the tickets are more <laughs> cherished. Uh, but yeah, I try to make uh, trips to Lambeau as absolutely frequently as possible. Uh, it doesn't matter if it's uh, ten below or or seventy degrees at the start of the season. So uh, you know that's that's definitely the number one uh, sports team for for my following. It's a it's a point, appointment viewing if I'm not in attendance. Hopefully you guys get your quarterback situation figured out uh, as a long suffering Browns fan uh, quarterback is uh, kind of the bane of my existence. Right, so right. Uh, prospect league wise, I know, I know you probably won't be able to make it to every ballpark uh, just because the footprint is so big and it's such a short season time wise. Uh, but what's maybe one or two places that you're looking, really looking forward to, to seeing, the ballpark and, and the operation. Yeah. You know, it's, well, when, you know, when we get that sponsorship signed with some sort of uh, airline or jet company and we have access to uh prospect <laughs> wheels up one, net jets, exactly. <laughs> we'll be, we'll be hitting them all, you know, you know, we'll be uh, all over the place, but um, you know, I don't, I don't know if I have one that I really would single out. Um, I've been to some of these ballparks in, in other ways. I've been to Chillicothe when I worked at, Northern Illinois, we played the Mac tournament there yeah. uh, in 2008. Um, you know, so I'm familiar with that. I'm certainly familiar with, you know, Danville and Bloomington being close to where I am by Champaign. 
Illinois. Um, you know, been to Marion for uh, you know another trip when I was at NIU with baseball. Um, so there's a lot of good venues. I, I think it'll be interesting to see. You know, some of those locations that are more. I guess, bigger market suburban locations and how that following is and how that interest is. And to see some of those smaller cities that, you know, this is the town team that you can, uh, you know, really kind of hang your hat on as, Hey, this is ours, uh, as opposed to driving a great distance to either see minor league or major league baseball. So, sure. um, yeah, you know, I, th I think it's, it'll be interesting to see all the venues and all the teams and, and just see kind of what following there is. Um, you know, it might be, uh, it might be contingent on the promotions that night, I guess, to see what kind of atmosphere <laughs> there'll be. I say fireworks are the only magic bullet in, in sports. <laughs> you, you have fireworks, you have a full crowd, uh, just in, as long as the weather's good. It seems like that's uh, the easy way to go. Although you can't do it too much. You can oversaturate. Well, and, you know, the weather being the biggest advantage the Prospect League has over a lot of the Midwestern college teams is, you know, at least we get the benefit of the summer weather as opposed to, yeah. uh, you know, having those 40-degree uh, April days and, and uh you know having a having a crowd of 200 because of it yeah it kind of flipped from uh flips from the spring college season to the summer season not so great in the spring pretty great uh here in the summer commissioner uh, david brower thanks so much for joining us here on horse and around your maiden voyage on horse and around uh by the way our mascot is chief crazy horse so that's where the tie-in is absolutely no i appreciate you having me on and uh you know you know as you mentioned earlier the work that you do for the prospect league and you know, you've been a valuable asset uh, helping me here get on board and, and uh, look forward to continuing to work with you both uh, at the league level and, and as the teams. All right. Thanks a lot. Have a good one. We'll uh, talk to you again soon. Thanks a lot. Really excited to see the things that uh, Commissioner David Brower kind of tries to put into place this year. And it uh, seems like we have a, a pretty good direction of uh, where we want to take things as a league as far as David is concerned, our board of directors, and uh, all of those who have a hand in what the Prospect League is uh, year in and year out. As always, again, check our uh, schedule, our roster, our uh, upcoming promotions, all the fun stuff over there at ChillicothePaints.com. You can also follow us on uh, Twitter and Instagram and Facebook at Chili Paints. So for obviously Instagram and Twitter, it's at Chili Paints, C-H-I-L-L-I-P-A-I-N-T-S. And then if you just search Chili Paints or go to Facebook.com slash Chili Paints, you'll find us right there as well. Looking forward to the home opener coming up here on uh, June 1st. Post-game fireworks, $2 draft beers uh, for Thirsty Thursday. And uh, that comes one day after the Paints open the season on the road against the Lafayette Aviators. So big things in store this summer. We hope to see you out of the ballpark. Other than that, we'll talk to you on the next episode of Horsin' Around. Thanks for listening. Enjoy the rest of your day.